Welcome back. We are going to continue our study in lessons in obedience. Uh, lesson number 10, we started off in the book of Jonah and saw Jonah's complete disobedience to God. Uh, now we've started in the book of Ruth and we are, uh, we've met Ruth and Naomi and getting into uh, them coming back and uh, seeing the obedience of Ruth as she uh, follows her mother-in-law and and does what she bids. We remember, as we go through the book of Ruth, that we see several pictures uh, through the characters. We see Ruth, <coughs> who is a picture of the church. Uh, we see Naomi, who is a picture of Israel. And Boaz, who is a picture of Christ, the kinsman redeemer. And then we have the other kinsman, uh, who is a picture of Satan, one who only wants uh, to be a benefit when it benefits him and uh, will not mar his own inheritance for us. So uh, we are in Ruth chapter 1, and uh, last week we saw uh, Naomi uh, speaking with Orpah and Ruth and begging them to go back as she's now completely, uh, her husband Elimelech has died, uh, her sons Malon and Kyleon have died, and, and uh, she is at rock bottom and heading back to Israel, heading back to Bethlehem, uh, back to the people of God, and uh, she is trying to get Orpah and Ruth to not go with her. Orpah, of course, goes ahead and goes back to her mother's house, and Ruth cleaves to her and makes a pledge uh, that where she goes, where Naomi goes, Ruth will go. Uh, where she dies, she will die. Uh, her people shall be thy people, and uh, Naomi's God will be her God. And uh, this is a important step for Ruth. This is Ruth showing her faith and what God ultimately sees and opens the door for her. Uh, but we also understand, as we looked at last week, that all of this, what's happened over the last 10 plus years, uh, was because of Ruth, was because God had seen Ruth's heart and Ruth was bringing her, and God was going to bring her into Israel. And I think we're going to see that as we look at a few things today. Um, but now as we, we return, we'll jump in in verse number 18. And the Bible says, When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty have dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi? Seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Let's pray. Father God, again, I just pray that you would calm my mind, Lord, that you would help Help me to see and understand, to organize my thoughts, Lord, so that your truth can be proclaimed. I pray that you would open our hearts, open our ears, Lord, that your word would not just enter our, our ears, but that it would enter our hearts and it would take root and it would grow. And that seed would mold us and shape us into the men and women that you'd have us to be. Lord, men and women that bear fruit, that work and serve. So God, please... Guide and direct, help us to see these very simple truths. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, 
As we get back into our story, we see Naomi and Ruth returning. And, and the first question as they get back to Bethlehem, it says that the, the whole city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? Uh, I believe here that this really is a question, that Naomi is almost unrecognizable at this point. Now we have to remember, uh, if we look back in the beginning of chapter 1, that it's been around 10 years um, in chapter 1 and verse number... And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. Now some believe that this phrase of about ten years refers to the total time that uh, Elimelech and his family were in Moab. Remember, uh, Elimelech and Naomi left, Mo- or left Israel because of the captivity during the time of the judges, because of the famine that was in the land, and they traveled away from God and and went into Moab, a place where they were not supposed to be. Now, I believe that because of the timing of where this is at in the the story of what comes right before that phrase of about ten years is uh, the writer, which is believed to be Samuel, uh, introduces Orpah and Ruth that this is not just uh, that they had been there a total of ten years. This is that uh, it has been about ten years since the men had gotten married, uh, since Elimelech had died, and Malon and Kylion have gotten married, and they have dwelled, they, with their wives, have dwelled there about ten years. And that tells me a couple of things. Um, one, well, first of all, the reason that I believe that is because of the colon. Uh, the colon is used to give emphasis, to present dialogue. It in- introduces lists or texts and clarifies composition titles. Uh, emphasis. Sorry, I don't need to read that part. But the example they give is she had one love, the sentence, she had one love, and then a colon, and that love was Western Michigan U- University. So I believe in this case it's... Uh, they took of them wives, the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years, meaning Malon and, and uh, Ruth and Kylion and Orpah uh, dwelled there together about ten years. And I believe that this is important because I believe that for that ten years that they had been married, that they had been dwelling in Moab together, that God had closed up Ruth's womb. There's no mention anywhere of any other children being born. Uh, not just any other men, but any, any other girls either. So I believe that God knew Ruth's heart, that knew he knew that she was uh, going to be faithful, and that God had closed up the womb. And we see this in the fact that in the book of Matthew, uh, after... We get to the end of Ruth, and Ruth and Boaz get married, and they have uh, their son. Um, oh. Obed. Obed, yeah. After Obed is born, when we go back to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, and we see the lineage of Christ, Elimelech is not mentioned. Malon is not mentioned. Boaz is mentioned. Boaz's father is mentioned, Salmon. Um, so 
while legally, by God's law, the child that was going to be born from Boaz and Ruth was going to be uh, the direct descendant of Malon uh, and of Elimelech, when it comes to the lineage of Christ, Malon and Elimelech are not mentioned. And I believe that that is because uh, that is evidence that God has closed up Ruth's womb here. But in any case, it's been at least 10 years since Naomi has been in Bethlehem. Uh, and those who should know her mo- most didn't recognize her. Uh, now this could simply be due to the fact that she's aged. She's 10 years older. Uh, her hair is graying, maybe. She's got wrinkles forming. But it could also be due to the fact that she is only accompanied by this Moabite woman and not her husband and sons. We don't know that uh, anyone in Bethlehem knew the story yet. But I know for me, coming back after uh, and really spending time in the town after almost 20 years, um, 17 of being away, that there are a lot of people that I should know that I just don't recognize. And a lot of people that should know me uh, that don't recognize me until they hear me speak or, or until they, they get a little closer. So in any case, Naomi is unrecognizable. Now the other side of this is that uh, she is also in a very dark and despairing place at this point. Um, I really feel like she's in the the bouts of depression and we see that as she speaks about how God has dealt with her um, and I, that that changes you, that ages you, that 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 despair, that that struggle makes you different. So uh, in battling with her depression, probably the biggest factor in the change in her appearance was was her countenance. Depression and worry affect people physically and emotionally. Your posture changes. Uh, your features age faster. And Naomi was no, was no doubt depressed. She's already given both daughter-in-laws the speech of hopelessness for her husbands. Uh, understanding that as she was dealing with Orpah and Ruth, trying to get them to return, you know, she understands that, that there is nothing for them with her. Uh, that, that when they go back with her, They are going to be widows. They are going to be completely on their own. There is nothing in Bethlehem for them, not only because uh, they're widows and there's no one there to take care of them, but also because they're Moabites, because they were not supposed to be a part of the children of Israel. So there's no one, there shouldn't be anyone there that should show them kindness, that should uh, be willing to take care of them. And there won't be anybody there that's willing to take care of Naomi. Everybody that should do that is gone. So she's carrying this worrying, this doubt, and she's trying to pass it on to these daughters. And she's, she's down. But then there's also her view of God. And we see this in, in verse number 20. She said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. Now if you remember, Mara, Mara in the book of Exodus, as Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt... Uh, they come to the, the pool of water that's bitter and, and uh, the children of Israel rebel and cry against Moses and, and claim that God brought them out just to kill them here with this bitter water. And uh, Moses takes the branch and throws it in the water and the water is made sweet. It was the pool, it was the, the waters of Marah. This is uh, what Naomi is choosing for herself. She's choosing bitterness. She's choosing hurt and pain and she's choosing to identify with those things. Oddly enough, in a time where our country is dealing with uh, 
pronouns and all this other stupidity. Uh, this is what Naomi is doing. She's refusing the identity that God has given her, and she's calling herself by this identity of bitterness and, and, and hurt and pain. But she goes on to say that the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. The Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. Now we remember from the beginning of chapter 1 that, yes, absolutely, God has done those things, but we also need to remember that the fault for all of those things falls on Naomi. It doesn't fall on God, because God is a just and righteous and pure God. Naomi and Elimelech left the land of promise. They left the presence of God. They walked away. It's no wonder that she's in darkness at this point. When you walk away from the light, all you get is darkness. So not only is she uh, portraying herself as bitter and, and hurt, but she's also portraying herself as the victim. And she's not. She's the perpetrator. She's the reason that this has happened to her. God is just doing exactly what he should do to bring her back. And that is exactly what's happening. But because of all of this, they don't understand. The, the people around her uh, now are understanding who she is. They're understanding what happened. Uh, and they are amazed. But the other thing that we need to see in, in Naomi's testimony at this point is not just uh, the fact that she's unrecognizable and, and that her countenance and she's depressed, but what kind of a witness is she being for for Ruth. Now, she's the mother-in-law. She's the elder lady in this situation. She is supposed to be the one that is pointing the way for the younger. Imagine being Ruth at this point. She has just pledged that only death would separate her and Naomi, that, that Naomi's people would be her people, that Naomi's God would be her God, and, and now Naomi is talking against her God and talking about how bitterly and, and hurtful her God is and is dealing with her. This depressed and melancholy woman is giving no hope for Ruth for a good life. She's giving Ruth exactly what Ruth had with the gods that she served. Hopelessness. How often are we no better than Naomi? Those of us that claim the name of Christ, those of us that claim salvation and, and know a better way, how often are we just like Eeyore? Now, for those of you that might be too old to remember who Eeyore is, I love you too. <laughs> Eeyore was the donkey in Winnie the Pooh. And no matter what happened with Eeyore, Eeyore was always depressed. He was always down. He, he, he never smiled. But it's no wonder as we walk through this life and, and we, we live in this depression and darkness, it's no wonder that those around us would rather take their chances on what the world has to offer to achieve temporary happiness than what we have. We were talking about rag and It's no wonder that people would want to ride across the state of Iowa and get drunk all week 
because they don't see any difference in anybody else. They take drugs to lift their mood, alcohol to help them forget, comforts of strange flesh just to feel that they're needed. The church and the Christian the Christian life is so devoid of sorry, the church and the Christian live a life so devoid of joy and love that no one recognizes Christ in them. All because we have this same mentality. We understand that the things that happen in our lives, and we're going to talk about it a little bit tonight, we're going to see uh, the apostles in the middle of a storm doing exactly what God wants them to do, yet they're in the middle of a storm. Naomi here is in the middle of a storm but she, because she walked away from God. But in both cases, the point is that God is right there. That they're there for a reason. They're there because God wants to teach them and God wants to, to grow them. Brother uh, Potter has done his best over the last several months to send out a text every Sunday. I don't know if he just sends it to me. I'm the only one on the list that of this text message, but I think he sends it to everybody. But his one this morning... 7.02 this morning was, The Lord was with Joseph in the good times and the bad, the highs and the lows. No matter what you're facing today, the Lord is with you. He will never forsake you nor forget you. Hebrews 13.5 and 6. How many Christians need to hear and understand that? They need that truth to not just enter their ears, but to enter their hearts and to change them and to understand that we can have joy even in the bad times, even in the hard times. Abby went to uh, visit Amanda yesterday, my sister-in-law, my first wife's sister. Had a great time. Looks like they had lots of fun. From the pictures that I saw on Facebook. But one of the pictures that I saw was them out at the cemetery at my first wife's grave. probably the hardest time in my life was that that year of well the two years of dealing with the cancer and then the, the funeral and then the year of it just being us before God brought Rachel into our lives and, and I, I can't I, I know what I was feeling I know uh, how I saw myself but I can't imagine how the rest of the world saw me it wasn't pretty. Yeah, I know. But I can only imagine that during that time that the people that I met, not many of them wanted what I had at that point. Not many of them wanted to live the life that I was living. You know, uh, working with Brother Jesse and, and uh, he's got several vehicles for sale out there at the shop and He's not trying very hard to sell them. He's, he's, I think he's got a problem. He's got a little bit of a car addiction. <laughs> but he also knows what he has. He knows what they're worth. And he's not willing to compromise on what he's asked. So he knows how much time and effort he's, and money he's got into them. So I, I applaud him for that. But, but 
the difference between him and the, the large car lots, Carl Chevrolet is, or Carl's Auto Group now is just putting up a building in Marshalltown and and uh, they've got, they're putting up a new body shop and they've got a bunch of cars already there, already there for sale and they've got salesmen out on the lot. And the difference is, is those men are out trying to sell cars. They're out, every time somebody comes into the lot, they're out interacting with them, trying to, to get them to, to look and see and see all the features and see the features they don't maybe have in their own vehicles that, that they want, they desire. They're trying to sell. Us as Christians are just living our life defeated. It's not that we need to sell the Lord, but we need to live a life that is full of joy, understanding that God is always with us, that He will never leave us nor forsake us, that anything that we are going through at this point in time is for our good, for our growth, for our benefit. Romans 8, 28, For all things work together for good to them that know God, to, to them that are called according to His purpose. All things. We need to stop being Eeyore. We need to be more like Tigger. This, I'm going to apologize to anybody that's listening from overseas uh, as we put this out on podcast because I'm sure they're not going to have any idea what's going on, but they'll figure it out. But the last thing that we see in all of this is that Naomi has finally started to take the right steps. And we're going to see as we begin chapter 2 that God begins to reveal to her what's going on. He begins to change her heart. He begins to bring back her joy. But as we've seen with every other person that God puts forth as an example for us in the world, it's never too late to return to Him. Naomi has fled and gone to Moab, and, and now when she's at her worst, she's choosing to come back to God's people, to God's promised land, to the presence of the Lord, and God is going to reveal himself. She's going to return to where God is and hope he has mercy on her. And boy, does he ever. Now, Naomi still has a long road of learning with her faith, but it will soon be restored. And it'll be a teaching and learning process for Ruth. And this is really where we begin to see the lessons in obedience as she willingly follows and does exactly what Naomi tells her to do. And God blesses it in the end. For us today, it's never too late. Whether we're saved and have just lived a life of depression and despair in the dark, hiding from what God really has for us, or whether we're not saved. It's never too late. <coughs> the cross is still the cross. The tomb is still the tomb. And Christ is still risen. He hasn't returned for His church. He hasn't returned uh, to rule and reign for a thousand years. So it's never too late.
Let's catch the joy today. As we go down to the park, yeah, it's going to be hot. It's going to be sweaty. Some of us are tired. We've had a long, long week. But let's show the joy that God brings into our lives. Let's show the world something that they want, that they desire, that they don't have. Let's show them what it is to live a life with Christ.